Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Patty G Show. I'm your host, Patty G. We are here with Chase Tyler of the Chase Tyler Band. We're going to talk music. We're going to talk um, schooling. We're going to talk education and about how some uh, expelling can turn you into the person you are today. We're going to talk about the business behind music, landing some sponsors, making sure you can turn your dream into a full-time gig, and all of everything around the band and what is coming back, and as well as maybe we'll discuss some of the lineup that they've got later on for this year. Big thanks to those folks that are making this show possible. We've got Falaya Real Estate. We are in their studio recording this show. We've got Government Taco, Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge, Mallard Bay Outdoors, and Horizon Financial Group. They all make the Patty G Show possible. I am super thankful for them, as well as everyone that is involved making this show what it is. And without further ado, we want to welcome this week's guest, Chase. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. I'm looking I'm, forward to it. This I'm glad awesome. glad to have you on. There's a we're ha- we're probably gonna have a different conversation now in 22 than we would have had two years ago. I'm glad to be having this conversation now as as opposed to any any other time. So anytime we can we can get past all of that and get back to life as normal as we know it, I'm all about it. I love that, man. So yeah. who are you? Who is Oh, Chase man. Tyler. How much time do we have exactly? That's what I need to know. You got 30 <laughs> seconds. Go. <laughs> Tell me everything about yourself now. So, man, I so I am a musician from uh, Denham Springs, Louisiana. Um, uh, you know, was, that's where I was born and raised. And now we travel all over the Gulf Coast now. But uh, my biggest passion has always been country, southern rock type music that's just what i love that's what i was i was born into my mom and dad met playing music in separate bands so there was no way in any way shape or form that i was not going to do something musically it's always been in my family my grandparents on both sides play music together it's just always been a part of my life and who i am and and from a very early age music has just been in the house and around me so i think i i kind of just you know, took the ball and ran with it um, from an early age and just started, you know, singing karaoke and with other bands and just any any chance I could. And um, I really, really didn't get too into it until I was probably about 15. That's when things kind of changed for me. and I just realized music is the path that I want to go down, and I kind of followed it. And so... That led me to right here today to be with you fine folks. <laughs> Been pursuing music ever since, basically. Since 15. Since 15, yeah. That's that's when I, you know, that's when I really realized this is something that I want to do um, as a career. And I've been doing that ever since. So what instruments did your parents play? I'm curious because I'm a, a saxophone and piano player. Are you? Come on. I yes. one up in probably five <laughs> years. I still have a tenor saxophone under my bed, oh, so I still have it. I can still dabble show, in the man. piano. Oh, now but. now, you, now you've, you've, you've said it. Now you got to come to a show and play it for everybody. Uh, so my, my dad plays guitar, and my mom plays guitar as well. And, um, you know, crazily enough, my mom actually taught me my first chords on the guitar, and my dad's left-handed, so it's very—it's not a left-handed world. Hang on, don't don't start. I'm left-handed too. Don't well, start. okay, Careful then now. you know, Careful then you know, now. you know that it's not a left-handed world. It's, it's just not. not. Everything is built for right-handed people, including instruments. So it's it was very difficult for me to try to learn and and grow from that. So my mom actually taught me my first chords. 
I kind of took it from there and have been playing guitar ever since. That is quite literally the only thing that I can play. I've tried piano. I've tried drums. I've just tried other things, but playing the guitar and singing in the front of everything is just kind of just been what I, I've done. So I never wanted to be the guy behind an instrument. I wanted to be out front and be the guy. And, and so that's kind of what I focused on my, my entire career is just being the front man of a, a band. I mean, not to brag, but you know, a saxophone solo, people really dig that. People, That's I love <laughs> a saxophone solo. That is some, and, and, uh, you know, I know it's, it's kind of corny to say, but that is really sexy. Oh and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love a saxophone solo. It is really, really a sexy instrument and it's awesome. And, and, and it really, really fits certain songs very, very well. And certain songs you can't do without a saxophone. And it's awesome. Yeah, I went that route because I didn't want to sing, right? I don't, I don't have a singing voice. I'm like, what instrument can I play that is all focused in on one time and yeah. I don't have to worry about singing or yeah. doing any of that? So do you do like you do like blues? You do like so we, jazz? We did jazz. We, jazz. We had, so yeah. we had, you know, in yeah. our, our homeschool group, we had a homeschool jazz band. Cool. And so we, okay. would go, we would go play like, you know, really, really prestigious gigs like sure. the World War II Museum and like old folks' homes. <laughs> You gotta start somewhere, man. You gotta start somewhere. It's okay. But it, it was fun. My brother was on guitar, my and my other brother was on the drums. And then oh, we like had like three man, we had yeah. like three or four other people. We had a piano player, we had a bass player, we had another guitar player. So we had like a little homeschool jazz band, but it was fun. That's awesome. So I, I can I can get the the music passion that is within and then like for me, like my little sister was learning piano, and I was like, "Let me, let me. I've been reading, ah. I've been reading, you know, sheet music for a while. Let sure. me try this piano thing." And then I just, I just loved it. So yours is, you know, built, instilled in you from like your parents. <laughs> you know, your parents just breeded a musician. Basically, yes, that's exactly it. And it was just music was always just around, you know, whether it was just even on the radio. You know, my 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 mom and dad both played in separate bands, and they just kind of, it was just everywhere. Every weekend, um, kind of was just about music in some way, shape, or form. And so it's just always been instilled in me and around me. And, uh, you know, even if I'm 80 years old, I'm still going to do something with music in some way, shape, or form. It's in my blood. It just is. Once it gets in your blood, it's just there. It's just a part of you. So, yeah. uh, you know, I just, I love it. I really do. I love the feel of a live show, creating music, recording music, uh, and all aspects of it. I really enjoy it. So now was music they're like full-time passion like at a full-time job or were they also no they always had separate jobs and it, it but ultimately their passion i guess you could say um would be music to come to come full circle and like i say my grandparents on both sides played music as well so just it was just always around there was always a jam somewhere at my grandfather's house or something like that the family would anytime there was a you know family get together on Sundays, on any kind of holidays, there was always guitars brought out. There was always a fiddle. There was always some kind of uh, jam or, or some type of get-together that involved music. So it was just, um, you know, that's where I kind of started to sing a little bit and just kind of progress and really found a taste and love for it. You know, these family get-togethers, basically. See, I love hearing that. Like yeah. Just, you know, my family was always, we always get together and cook, you know, South Louisiana. Right, that, that was right. our thing. None of us were really musically talented. <laughs> well, my parents pushed musical instrument. It was more just cooking, but still having that that family atmosphere of music yeah. is such an important part. It was like, it is your culture at that point. You know, Absolutely. that you're raised on music, you're born into music. 
And so like from seeing your parents do this as a passion, did you ever think from as a little kid, you know, hey, I want to do this as my job. Like, was that ever you know, a thought or was it just, it's fun kicking it back with the cousins and I, absolutely and no. Music. When, when I was, a, when I was a kid, there wasn't, I, I really didn't like, Oh, this is just fun. You know, it's just, it, and it was just what we did. Right. So I, I thought all families just get together in the kitchen and jam, you know, everybody does this. They all it's have a jam session. Core, everybody yeah. has a jam session. But I do remember one specific moment in my life that was a, uh, a turning point for me, I guess you could say. There was a Garth Brooks concert. I was probably about 12 at this time. And he played in Central Park to a million people, literally. And I remember watching that that on TV and just having him captivate that audience in New York. I remember the feeling that I got that just like, I want to do that. I remember that as a kid, just being like, I want to do what he does. That is amazing. And I was mind blown by that. You know, and of course I bought the album and I had, so I wanted to be Garth Brooks then, right? That's, um, not, that's not a bad musician. It's not to be. a bad guy. <laughs> to, a bad no, guy if you're going to emulate to, somebody, to that's going to be, that, right? absolutely. That's definitely a good one. But I just remember that as being a turning point to be like, wow, that really, that whole concert just captivated me and, and really amazed me. And um, so really kind of from then on, I was just like, I really thought this this might could do something, and I really want to try to further that, you know? So, and now here I am. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, how did your your kind of, did you, t- did you t- walk in one day after the Garth Brooks concert and tell your parents, hey, I'm being a musician, that's my career choice? No, it it really was decided for me. Um, and this is going to get into a whole a whole new thread of myself, but I was singing a little bit and playing and and kind of starting to record some things here and there, and nothing major, but just just you know trying to to feel out my voice. And so I'm 17 years old at this point. Okay, fast forward to me being 17, just singing around the house, still sitting in with a band or so here and there to do a couple of songs. I'm 17. What can you really do? Right. So I started to fall in with a rough crowd in school. And it was, I was going down a a dark path in my life at 17. I just turned 17 years old. And I really started to get into a little bit of drugs and things like that and ended up getting arrested from Denham Springs High School. They caught me smoking weed in the parking lot at Denham High. Totally my fault. No one else's fault but mine. I was I was there with a couple of buddies. Like we should not have been doing any of that. But it was a whole situation. They they shut the school down, brought in the dogs, like had a whole oh, locker cert situation. Brought on like a whole big. Oh, it was a I I, I it was a whole operation. I, I mean, it was a whole thing going on. And I it was it was a it was a turning point again for myself because until that time, I didn't really know. I had real, I hadn't real no direction, you know. I wanted to sing and I wanted to play music, but I didn't know how to accomplish that. I didn't know what to do. So, I guess maybe I, I don't know, falling in with the wrong crowd. Honestly, it turned out to be a blessing in disguise, and I and I'll talk about that because I got arrested. They booked me, kicked me out of school. There was no, and this was in the tenth grade. I was. How, how old were you in for? 
I, I mean that day, you know, oh, right? Okay. They, they caught So I had a, a roach left in the car about this big. So they made it into a little bit bigger deal than what I would have, obviously. But, <laughs> you know, they it, it was a, at the time they needed to make an example of somebody and, and they made an example of me. So they expelled me from Denham Springs High School when I was 17 years old. I got to finish. I was two weeks away from finishing the 10th grade. So it was a whole thing. They ended up letting me finish the 10th grade, and, and it was a done deal, but I could not could not return back to school. So that was it. School was over. And at that like point— they, they said permanently, you're not, perma- welcome, well, you're not welcome So back. I can come back in two years, but I'd have to restart at the 11th grade. I'm like, I'll be 19 years old in the 11th grade. Just, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. That's not going to happen. So my mom's like, okay, go to work. You know, it's, it's, it's your options. You can go to work. So I started to look for a job not knowing what to do. I'm, I'm 17 now. I'm not in school. What am I going to do? Lo and behold, you know, when God closes the door, he opens a window. Lo and behold, I get a call a month after I get expelled from a producer from a show in Branson, Missouri, looking for someone to fill this slot for a show that he has put together in Missouri. Missouri. That's, I'm like that's a little bit north of I-10. It's just uh, ju- <laughs> just by a few minutes, yeah. So uh, you know, of course, hearing about Branson, knowing that it's 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 a really really great place, I go up there and audition for the show, and ended up getting it. And so I came home and I told my mom, like, look, now again, I'm I'm 17, 17. and I'm just turned 17 at this point. So I'm like, look. What else am I going to do, right? You can't even vote yet. Can't vote. I can't. No. I mean, and I just got kicked out of high school, right? So, I mean, like, I'm really in a bad spot mentally. So, she's like, well, you got to go. You know, like, this is, you want to sing. You want to, this is a stepping stone towards that. So, I moved all by myself, everything that I own in a truck to Branson, Missouri to be a part of this show. I ended up spending four years in Branson. And going from different shows, I, I, I was in different stage shows with Mo Bandy and just Mickey Gilly's show. Um, and I made quite the career for myself at 17, 18, 19 years old. I bought a condo. I had my own vehicles, again, living in Missouri, three states away from anything resembling an authority figure, you know, to me. And I really, really... That was my college. That was I finished. I finished all of that. That was my college to me. That's where I really learned how to work a crowd. Um, it really brought me out musically as a person and really understanding what I wanted to do. Not wanting to do that forever, right? This is a stage show. Everything is. Here's what you do at this time. Here's what you wear. Here's what this. I always wanted to do my own music. So knowing that that's not what I wanted to do, I ended up accepting another position for an off-Broadway play in New York City. So I moved to New York. <laughs> I moved to New York. Wait. You know, I'm going to the Big Apple, Mom. <laughs> All right, so hang on. <laughs> so let's back up a little bit. So you go from smoking in a parking lot of the high school, mm-hmm. Branson, Missouri, Yep. to... Going essentially having your college there for four years, 
And now somebody from New York, quote unquote, the big time, the big right? Time. Calling you up and like, did they call you? Did you approach them? How, they, how did the New York? They, so how did the New York come into the picture? There was a producer at one of the shows in Branson that I did. So I did three shows in Branson. There was a morning show, a matinee show, and then a night show. So in Branson, you could do that. Shows are only two hours long. So I literally I would work for six hours a day, and do three separate shows. I mean, it was. It was awesome. I'm, I'm not going to lie. If you've never been to Branson, that's, Missouri, it, it was really awesome. That's good. That's got to be good voice training. It was great voice you're, training, you're great stage so much training. Singing. Absolutely. It was just training for everything. Everything that would prepare me for life later on as a musician, this was the best possible scenario for me. And, and I credit Branson for a lot of who I am today as far as my stage presence and just, you know, vocally – they really, they really did a number with me, and, and it was awesome. And I needed that, um, especially I needed some direction in life. You know, at 17, I had no idea. So one of the producers from the, the show in New York just happened to be at a show in Branson. <clears throat> Talked to me after the show. was like, look, putting a show together in New York, I want you to come be a part of it. What do you think? At this point, I was looking for something different. I had felt like I had done the Branson thing, and it was awesome, but I was ready to move on. Yeah, you you filled all the shoes. I there. filled all the shoes. I'm like, I'm just, I don't want to be a stage performer in Branson for the rest of my life. Um, so I'm wanting to do something different. So I did. I, they flew me to Chicago, um, where I rehearsed a little bit for the show, and then flew me to New York, and I spent six months um, in upstate New York. I had an off-Broadway play, and it was awesome, and I loved every second of it. Again, a learning experience, right? It was just something. It was another another stage show, but it was in a, a whole new place. At this point, I'm 20 years old. I'm just trying to figure things out again, what I want to do with my life and, and how I want to go about it, and again, a, just another stepping stone. So where do you go from here? Well, So, so hang on. So while you're in New York, well, I mean, what do, what do you <laughs> – you say it's a, it's a Broadway show. What like what are I was, you doing I, exactly? Have you ever seen the show The Blues Brothers? No. I was Elwood Blues from The Elwood Blues Brothers. Blues. That okay. was my position. I'm sure. So I'm it was. I have to look this up. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's a great it's a great movie. It's a you know it's a comedy skit from you know the 70s, and then they made it into a movie. But I was Elwood Blues. So so it was a sketch show. Um, there was some comedy involved as well, and and things like that. But it was. It was amazing. It was an, a really awesome experience in New York. Again, I'm 20 years old. I'm just I'm living the dream. I'm making yeah. great money. Um, you Especially know, for I, a 20 year old, right? 20 year old. For, for people to say, "Hey, we're gonna fly you." Absolutely. Like, that phrase, "fly you." Absolutely. Wait, you mean I don't have to get on like a so, Southwest bus? No, <laughs> no. They flew me and put me up in a cabin, and I lived the life of a king for for quite some time. And um, you were a rock star. I was a rock star. Absolutely. I really was. And I felt like a rock star. And the, the money was great. At 20 years old, I'm making great money. I'm in this this really cool show. I'm meeting all these really hot chicks, you know, which which comes along with that. And it was it was just awesome. I, yeah, I felt like a rock star. You're right. But it wasn't what I wanted to do. Ultimately, I still wanted to do my own music, make my own, you know, way in life. And and so that show ended. And I'm like, so they gave me an option. I could go to Houston, Texas, or I could go to Japan and be a part of that, this same show. The same show was opening up in Japan or Houston, Texas. They gave me an option. Would you have to learn the language? No, 
would not have to learn the language. It was all in English. Everything was was as it is. We're going to take this show and we're going to move it to Japan or Houston, Texas. Where do you want to go? And I'm like, Damn. you know, and and I I seriously had a moment to I'm like, man, I just don't know what to do. You know, I don't know what to do. Again, my own music, my own show. I want to do yeah, my you, own you, thing. You still have that, that, that nagging Absolutely. Of, of your brain. Now, at this time, I know like a lot of, singers and actors they have agents that handle sure. their business affairs did you have anybody sure. like that i did not know so this was, is just was you just, this is the producer of the show going look this show has ended here but we're taking this show going across the sea if you want to go to japan you can go there or you can go to houston texas those are your two options if you want to go so you're, you're making these big boy decisions they are they're life-changing decisions yeah. if at, i were going to 20, japan 21. at 20 yes absolutely so i i put a lot of thought into it and I'm just like I just don't want to continue the stage performance aspect of it you know I really want to do my own I want to be my own person I want to make my own music my own way in life so I did um I ended up leaving I left the show I left the opportunity that it brought behind and I moved to Nashville at that point I'm like that's the next logical step if I'm going to do country music and and what I want to do Nashville is where it's happening and so wh why is that for a sec? So like everybody, anytime you hear anything country music yeah. or country stars, it's always born in Nashville. So Nashville really started out with like bluegrass music and gospel music that came out of basically what are the hills of Kentucky and Tennessee and things like that. So Nashville started the, the real, I think everything was centered around the Ryman Auditorium which was a radio show. It's like the Mother Church of Nashville. So that's how it kind of got started um, with gospel music. And like I say, bluegrass was really, really big back in the 30s when people just had radios to listen to, right? So this was a really, really big radio show that came out of Nashville, Tennessee. And I think everything just kind of grew around that radio show from Nashville until there were, you know, recording studios coming in and things of that nature. And then it just got into the 50s where you got Johnny Cash and Elvis who started recording at these recording studios in in Memphis and Nashville. And, and um, it just kind of became the central hub for country music. You know, it just kind of grew, grew, grew until um, it, it's just, it's just, it is. It's just a place to be as far as country music goes. And all music, they, they record all kind of music now. But... That's my my next logical step, right? I'm, I'm 20 years old. I'm going to move from New York. I'm going to go to Nashville. I'm going to be the next Jason Aldean. It's just a done deal. It's written in the stars. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm going to move. A month later, I'm going to be Jason Aldean. That's just going to happen. So do you, do you think that was in part because of how quickly your success came from Absolutely. going to, from Missouri to New York? You, for the lack of a better term, were a hothead. I was 100%. I was arrogant at that point because it just came easily to me. I, I moved from show to show to show. Producers would just be like, hey, I want you for this show. Come come do this show. And I, I really thought when I moved to Nashville, I'm like, this is it. Like, I'll be here six months and then that, you know, I'll be the next guy, you know. You can be out to LA or wherever. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I thought it was just, that's just how it worked. And it did not work at all like that in any way, shape, or form. I I moved to Nashville, and I'm literally just walking around Broadway looking at all these musicians who are on a street corner, you know, with a guitar going, that guy's awesome. 
Like, what is what is what am I doing here? That guy is on a street corner, and he is amazing. What is going on? So I really got I got discouraged. I really did. I got discouraged. And Nashville, as I found out, was really expensive. And yeah, I even then, <laughs> even then, it was really expensive. And again, at this point, I had turned 21 years old. So I had I, I'd gotten a job as a bartender at Logan's Roadhouse in in Nashville, just trying to make ends meet. Right, just trying to that'll be a great way to network. Right, I'll be a bartender. Everybody drinks, so we'll we'll be a bartender. I'll meet this person. We'll meet yeah, somebody, the, and then it'll be fine. This is like the, the classic rom com where the bartender gets up on stage Absolutely. towards the end of the night, sings Absolutely. their set, falls in love with the girl. The producers there say, "Hey, we want to we want it's you to come in the studio." It's right? a fairy it's tale. A fairy tale. Yeah. That's how it always happens, and it did not happen in any way, <laughs> shape, or form like that. No, I, that's not made up. <laughs> I ended up working so much just trying to make ends meet, pay bills, and things like that that I couldn't do anything musically. I never got a chance to really explore Nashville and everything that it had to offer. Now, keep in mind, I moved to Nashville not knowing a soul. I moved up there not knowing a soul just this is where you got to be you got to be in nashville you got to knock on some doors country, you know, music's, country nashville. music's nashville and I, I man it i ended up so what was a turning point for me in nashville i got pulled over at a stop sign i ran through the stop sign and the cop popped me for eight different violations on my truck expired inspection sticker, no tags, no seatbelt, the illegal tent. Like I ran a stop sign. Oh, you were a gold mine. Oh, him. absolutely. Oh, you she, were a it, it, it was, oh, she just wrote ticket after ticket after ticket. And a matter of fact, would not even, they came and towed the vehicle. Wouldn't let me drive. Wait, she wouldn't vehicle. let you drive it off? I walked on the side of the road back to my apartment. They would not let me. They towed the vehicle. Chase, what did you do to your truck, man? <laughs> on the way home, on the way as the as I'm walking home. So this is probably about one year into me being in Nashville. On the way home, I called my mom and I'm like, "That's it. I'm done. I've had it. I'm over it. I'm moving home. Like that's that's it. I had had enough." So were you, like were you, were you playing doing no, it? So you weren't no, doing anything musically I wasn't at this doing time. It. I had won two karaoke competitions at just local bars around nashville just from like oh we're drinking tonight let's go hear this karaoke let's go sing karaoke we'll have a hundred dollar contest you know and and i i ended up winning a couple of those that was as close as anything that i had come to nashville at doing anything it was terrible it was it was a terrible terrible experience as a matter of fact i wrote a song about it which is out now you can buy anywhere you can but um it was a terrible experience for me and I know some people go and they're like, oh, Nashville was just awesome. And, and it was just that I hate Nashville. I, I hate Nashville. So wait, you, you still have a I still have a, like a burning, passion. burning hatred. And I'll tell anybody. And I've been back several times since then. And, and I, every time I drive into Nashville, I'm just like, Nashville. But I bet you don't run that stop sign. I don't run that stop <laughs> sign anymore. That's for sure. I don't know what ever happened to that truck. Like, yeah, I, I think I even I left. Wait, so you, you never got I it never out of got, the pound? No, no, never got it out of the pound. My mom came and picked me up. I'm I'm Louisiana bound. Well, I, on, can I, we buy a Chase Tyler's truck? You probably can't. Some some somewhere I probably still owe like some tickets or something in Nashville because I never did pay all of them off. I don't think. Wait, so after after a certain point, like a warrant for your arrest comes. You, you need a warrant for your arrest so, in Nashville. Honestly, I 
It's there's a possibility that I probably owe somebody some some money in Nashville, and and that may be why I hate it so much still to this day. I I don't know honestly. I just don't even remember whatever happened with all that. I did pay some of the tickets. I know I didn't pay them all. I so, know. So that. in other words, you're not a you're we're we're not going to see you booking any shows in Nashville. I, not anytime soon. That's for sure. And, you'll you'll likely have somebody walk up and <laughs> you'll be on stage and they're like, "Hey, Chase, come see. You've been served. You've been served. <laughs> yes, and it's very possible." I'm sure like the statute of limitations has run out on that at some point, right? But you I hope. I hope, yeah, at this point, I hope. So honestly, I just, I was over it. I, I did the Nashville thing, and I'm like, I'm going to go home to Louisiana where I was born and raised and start my own band and do my, I'm, I'm going to grow my fan base at home where people know me and where I'm loved and where I have family and friends that can help me out, and 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 I'll expand from there. So going to Nashville was definitely the wrong, the wrong move. Um, so I get home and I'm 21 years old and I'm like, I, I got to start somewhere. And I put a band together. And how? So I actually took out an ad. <laughs> like, Wait. I took okay. out an ad. Okay. <laughs> Understand the times, right? This is before right, what, Facebook. What, what, years, before, what, what year are we in? Oh, man. So the year, hmm. Man, uh, what year exactly with it? So this would have probably been around 2011. Okay. 2010, 2011, so somewhere around there. About 11, 12 years ago. About 11, 12 years ago. Okay. I took out. Yeah, an, so Facebook wasn't. Right. Facebook was not. MySpace. No fa- there was no Facebook marketplace. MySpace was still a thing. That was that was still what was going on. And Again, I think Facebook was kind of in its infancy and kind of just like for colleges, right? So I think it, Facebook wasn't really a thing at the time. It was a MySpace. And I'm just like, I, you know, I put out an ad out like, you know, singer seeks band and musicians to start doing gigs with and stuff like that. Where, where'd you put the ad? This it was like, in a paper. Like the it, was, and it, was, the it was literally section. in the classified section. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> looking for band, local artists looking for band. Because, again... I'm just trying to figure out how to start. I'm literally starting from ground zero at this point. I'd already been to Branson, already been to you know New York, Nashville, but now I'm starting from and I had been gone from from home now for five six years. So I'm trying to you know reintegrate to Louisiana lifestyle and and re- catch up with some of the family and friends that I've been missed out on. Um, so I'm just trying to figure it all out, and I've. That's that was my next step is just put an ad out there and let's just see. Somebody answered it, and he and I are still good friends to this day. And he became my guitar player and manager, um, and just kind of helped me navigate the backwaters of Louisiana. And like, let's just start out at the Mexican restaurants and the daiquiri shops, and you know, and we did. And it just kind of as I learned later on, you know, it took me a year or two, but Louisiana is a very small network as far as musicians. A lot of people know the same musicians and the same bass players and drummers and, and things like that. So it's a very small network. So I kind of started there and, you know, um, my guitar player was like, I know a bass player and, and he knows a drummer. And, you know, so it just kind of took off from there. And it took me several years before we really, really started to make a dent in the Louisiana scene. Um, we played a lot of daiquiri shops and a lot of Mexican restaurant circuit and, you know, and, and fun, fun times, but we weren't doing anything of significance. You know, yeah. we weren't doing any big fairs or festivals or anything like that. 
um, one day it just kind of changed. We just started to, I think just persistence pays off and we just kind of started to push more and more and got bigger fairs and bigger festivals and bigger concerts. Then opening acts started to come and, um, you know, once you do one, other people hear about you and they come see you and, and it just kind of grew and grew. Um, in 2012, I was inducted into the Louisiana Music Hall of Fame as a uh, future famer. I was about to say, that's only like a year and that, a year, right. two this is about years year. into your so, actual Louisiana career. I had a song that my dad wrote called right. um, Louisiana. And the Louis, the music hall of, um, Louisiana Music Hall of Fame was putting a compilation album together, and they wanted this song on it. So he's like, look, I'm going to put you in the president of the Hall of Fame. He's like, I'm going to put you in, you know, uh, I want you to be a future famer. I need this song on this compilation album. I'm like, okay, that sounds great. So I became a future famer of like, he's like, basically, we know you're going to be famous. You're doing great things. We know you're going to be famous one day. So we'll put you in the future famers category. So technically I was inducted, but it was in a, a separate category. It's like, you're going to be there like, one day. It's that, it's that phrase that people will give to someone who's working at a craft. They'll say, you've got a lot of potential. A lot of potential. That's, that's like, basically that's like what the, it is. That's like the best backhanded compliment you can <laughs> give to somebody. You're like, oh, you've got you've got great potential. Great. You're going to get there one day, sport. Just, yeah. keep, just keep at it. It's you like know? saying a house has good bones, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but I'm like not knowing any. I'm, I'm a kid still at this point. I'm like, yes, awesome. Let's do that. I'm inducted to any I'm hall. In, any <laughs> hall of fame. I'm in, you know? So it, they did. They brought me at the, to the Greater Baton Rouge State Fair. You know, we were playing... They did a big induction. You know, the president came out and presented me with an award. To that moment, that was the biggest gift for me. Like, my state is recognizing me as an artist. You know, I'm like, I've made it. To me, I've made it. I'm, I'm legitimate, you know. you know. So you ha they have to start accepting me in, into some of these things, and they did. Um, after that, we really started to gain traction in fairs and festivals and bigger concerts and things like that um, and just kind of climbed the ladder. Uh, I started to put out, uh, you know, original albums and and write my own music and just kind of, you know, work the Louisiana circuit basically, and then start to spread out to Mississippi and Alabama and Florida and Texas and and the Gulf Coast. That was always, you know, my th when I hit about twenty five or twenty six, I'm like, I, I want to work the Gulf Coast. That's what I want to do, you know, and and that's where my home base is. That's where my fan base, you know, core group of people are. And so I travel back and forth to Nashville, unfortunately, and record some things. <laughs> so, so you've here been back to play. I have been back to play a few okay, times, okay. begrudgingly, but you know, it's, it's it's always that I'm in Nashville. I don't want to be, you know, <laughs> I, that, I don't know that I'll, that'll ever go away. Even if I was to become a huge star tomorrow, I think you know, be like we're going to record in Nashville tomorrow. I'm like. <laughs> Nashville, you know. Like, no, let's let's record here. Let's, exactly. Let's record in Baton Rouge. With today's technology, I mean, you can record anywhere you want in the world and it not be a problem, you know. But at the time, it was, you know, you still, Nashville still had the, the best studios and, and things like that. Now that's kind of changed. Like I say, with technology and recording and the way that, that everything's done digitally now, you can record here, make it sound like anything Nashville has. It just oh, yeah. That's just the technology of the day. 
Um, but just climbing the ladder and doing fun gigs and, and I changed a few band members in and out throughout the time. And, um, man, to brings me to basically where we are now, but I just want to say in, in 2019, uh, right before something fun happened to the entire world, uh, I was inducted fully into the Louisiana music hall of fame. They go, look, we recognize everything that you've done as, as a, as an artist. And we, we appreciate, you know, you representing the state of Louisiana. So at the Texas club, not too far from here, um, I was officially inducted, which technically was my second induction into the hall can, of fame. Can but you get inducted was, into the same was, hall? The same exact the same, hall, like, but it's like, it's like now already, it's official. I feel like it's, you're already, you know, you, oh, you're inducted into this hall of fame of Louisiana, <laughs> but you're already here, right? Like, it's, just, it's like going it's from, like, you know, like sixth grade to st- seventh grade. Right. You're in the same hallway. You just get your locker on the different side of the Absolutely. hallway. Absolutely. <laughs> but I felt like a big boy at this point, you know, like a finally, you know, we, we're in. Like we've made it and the state recognizes me as an artist and I really appreciate it. And at the same time, I was really doing, you know, big things. And like I'd just done the national anthem at a Saints game for 60,000 people. So like things like that really made it, and that was actually within two weeks of each other. I did the Saints game, and then two weeks later, I was actually officially inducted. So did the, did the Saints claim that oh, we made Chase? I, well, we made they Chase actually, inducted. They actually say so. If you go back and watch the video, there's a video that go along, and they say Louisiana Music Hall of Fame inductee Chase Tyler, and this was two weeks before. So I, I had kind of heard that it was a possibility that I was going to be inducted, but it was kind of funny because. Kind of really found out for sure that over the jumbotron, <laughs> yeah. you know, that I'm like, it's really gonna happen now. It has to, you know, and and sure enough, two weeks later, wait, wait, you happened. sit there with a microphone and they're like, Chase, it's your cue. <laughs> Chase, it's your cue. Wait, what? <laughs> well, it's funny because at Saints game, it's like it's really, really crazy because there's a huge buildup. So they have the players that are running out, you know, the, of the tunnel, and they're they're announcing this and that and all these fireworks are going off the lights and everything are flashing and then ladies and gentlemen chase tyler national anthem crickets and it's like all lights on you everyone at home everyone is watching you and you're just standing there by yourself 50 yard line just go time buddy yeah so it's a feeling um all its own trust me and it and it is very nerve-wracking um but it was an honor it was always an honor, and and it's that's a, it's one of those moments that uh, you know you just you never forget. It's a really really cool thing to do. So, what was one of the worst shows you've done? Oh wow, I have had several. <laughs> it's going to be very hard to 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 say. So, a lot of things in Louisiana have to deal with outdoor events yeah. and weather, right? So. Now, you could go either, man, doing a festival at 3 o'clock in the afternoon in <clears throat> August in South Louisiana. That's rough. Is probably That's one rough. of the one of the worst things you can do. Uh, but it every August rolls around. They still have festivals and fairs and things like that, and, and that's just a part of it. Um, so there's definitely things like that, and then just being rained on and, and things – thing there's been times where you know the um the check bounced you know so you get you do the whole thing you put out the the money the the check check bounced bounced, and then you have to 
try to figure out how to re- like look i've been down every avenue every path of you know i've done this for uh, you know almost 12 years now so i've been down every avenue every path i've met every shady character that there is in uh which there are quite a few believe it or not <laughs> in this business in the local market there's quite a few shady characters but i've met them all and i've i've dealt with um i've dealt with a lot of great people i've dealt with a lot of shady people too that that just want to take something from you um but it, you know, look in the end, I love South Louisiana. I love what I do, and you know, no one can ever take that from you. And I, and I've even, you know, if nothing else, myself, I've made an impact on the state in just being that that I've I've promoted the state well, I think, and I've just always tried to be a positive outlet for. Louisiana and just the South in general and just uh you know I'm I'm very proud of where I come from and call home and you know I have several songs about it um so it's just it's an honor to to be from Louisiana so when you got started were you doing mostly covers or were you coming out the gate wanting to do originals when I first got started I wanted to do originals not really not no not having a really a, a brain for songwriting or how the process worked or original music, even recording my very, very first album, which you can find. I recorded when I was 17. So this, now, this, this was, is your, this was bef- right before I got kicked out of school as a matter okay. of fact. But, it, but again, it was, I was just trying to figure out the process, trying to figure out how it worked, and my mom was my producer, right? So that was that was interesting. Well, and you, you gotta everyone starts somewhere. You have to start somewhere. My, so, my first two shows were on an iPhone eight. See, there it. you go. I get it, there man. you go. You understand. You gotta start somewhere. So I, you know, just trying to figure out the process and and everything. But I, I started out with a couple of original songs, uh, but but in the end, you know. People want to dance and party to songs that they know. So you always have to throw in cover songs. You know, especially, I feel like especially Louisiana and the South in general, um, these fairs and festivals, they just, they, they like songs that they can sing along to, songs that they know. So our show still to this day, 2022, will do probably 10 to 12, 13 original songs and covers. You know, uh, in a, in a two hour show, we'll do basically it's half original, half covers, basically. I feel like that's a good ratio, though. It is. It like, is, especially for a Louisiana band. It keeps people interested, and and you know, we you obviously you want to push your original songs, but they don't know all of your original songs, you know, and so it's it's kind of you got to kind of kind of feel it out, honestly. You got to kind of play the crowd and and just see what they're into and. Um, so we, we try to work up a show to where it's about half and half. And so where we can still push all of our original music and, you know, our singles that we have and, and all of that stuff. And, uh, but along with, we understand that you want to dance and party and sing along to songs that, you know, so we try to do a little bit of both. Yeah. I mean, especially in Louisiana, everybody wants to have, you know, we were talking about, uh, DC Mardi Gras beforehand. Yes. Everybody wants to have a good time when they're at a concert, you know, absolutely. If you're, if you're original songs work well within the lineup by all means incorporate them but at the same time and i was a uh i was a, a quote-unquote dj in high school my brother and i started a dj business and we would do weddings 
Okay. And it was all about crowd control. Yeah, absolutely. And you've got to know what they want and what they're feeling in that moment. And if you have an original song that may not fit what they're feeling, absolutely. you got to play a song that's going to fit. Look, man, that's an art form. Like like weddings and private parties and and even down to fairs and festivals and, and bigger concerts and things like that, reading a crowd and knowing like, you know, this is going to work or this is not, that's an, that's an art form. It really, and, and I, you know, I know people out there are laughing at me like, that's not an art. Like I get it. I'm no, not it, an artist, no, it is but an it is form. an art form, like understanding what a crowd is into and what they're feeling at that moment and understand like maybe you need to make an adjustment here and there and like this, okay, this is not going to, this, this ballad song is not going to work right now. Like they're party, they're in party mode, you know? That's an art form. It really is. And I pride myself on kind of having a sixth sense of, of what they're feeling. And, I, and you get energy off of the crowd. I mean, you do. You feed off of that. The band feeds off of that. And I feed off of that. And, and sometimes, look, I've had several shows to where it doesn't matter what you're playing, they're not feeling it. So it just doesn't matter, okay? Um, and and you, that you've just happens. There's like crickets in the yeah, audience. Yeah, just nothing. Just like we'll end there. a song and they're like, <laughs> oh wow! I'm like that was like our best song. Like I, I don't know what to do. You All know? of our effort was absolutely, there. Absolutely, absolutely. And then you get other things to where there is no wrong song. It doesn't matter what you play. Yeah. The crowd is just about it. So in those particular crowd situations where you know you could play like two chords on repeat yeah. and they would yeah. just jam out. Yeah. Is that when y'all try new songs or you that's try, when we to, do, you, you that's try when, to push your originals? Absolutely. That's when we do new things. And we're always, you know, as a band, we're always trying to keep things fresh. We're always trying to write new songs and do new cover songs as well. You know, you have to keep it fresh. If you do the exact same show, we, we have a lot of fans that have been with us for years now that come to see a lot of our shows and they know, like when we're about to do a song. So we try to keep things fresh and try to add new songs as much as we can. And and we do. We when we have a lot of, you know, big shows, big concerts and things. The bigger shows, you know, the more of the concert feel, that's where we really try to hone in our original music. The the fun festivals and uh, private parties that they just kind of want to party. We don't push original music as much. There's just a, a mood about that. They it's a Mardi Gras ball. They want to dance. They want to, they're not worried about your original song. But the really, the, the concerts and the bigger stuff that um, we can get a lot more people, that's more of a concert atmosphere. Again, right. it's knowing what that is and, yeah. and when, they, when they want it. Um, it's an art form. And, and so, yeah, it, it just depends on what the crowd wants. That's kind of what we feed off of. So I know some bands and for some concerts, you'll, they'll send out like a lineup of what they're expected to play. Sure. Have you yeah. ever sent out a lineup and then had to totally toss it out the window? Have. So I generally try to, I try to think about each show as how it's going to go down. You know, like, like we have a show this coming Saturday, try to think about a uh, visualize it like, okay, I'm on stage and, and in order, I kind of make the lineup and go, okay, here's what we're going to do. But I have, excuse me, I have what is called a talkback mic. So we all in in-ears. The whole band is, is on uh, in-ears. So I have a talkback mic that only the band can hear. So I talk into the special microphone that only the band knows what I'm saying. At least five times a show do I have to be like, all right, we're going to skip this next song. I'm going to go to the next song, you know. And, and I mean, they're looking at the lineup, and of course we all have a set list. And, and it's again, it's just about feeding off the crowd. And not only that, it's, you know, there are some times where I may need a break 
and I just go, let's do like a slow song to kind of give me a rest moment, you know, kind of thing. Uh, cause we have a female uh, singer in the band as well. So when I need a break or, you know, a sip of water or something like that, she will sing a song and that's really, really worked out well for us. So yeah, there's, there's all kind of times where I have to change mid show. Like we're going to do this now and go this way. And, and again, it's an art form, feed off the crowd, understand what they want. Um, that's just kind of how it works. So now what about like requests? Like I've, I've been to some concerts where people like hold up their phone. Sure. Asking for a request. Y'all ever play to that as it well? It depends on the show. Like if we're in concert and we're playing to 5,000 people, yeah, I no, generally, I, yeah. th this is the set list that we're going <laughs> off of, right? I'm not going to play Brown Eyed Girl because you want to hear Brown Eyed Girl. <laughs> I love the song, but this is not the time, okay? Like understand that. So if we try to... You know, it just depends on the show. If we're at a bar room on the river and somebody's like, hey, you know, what about Brown Eyed Girl? Then then that's that's a little different. And a lot of times people will bring us money. Be like, here's a hundred bucks. You know, I want to hear Brown Eyed Girl. You got it. It's you know, that's gas money now. You know that'll get me almost half a tank nowadays. You know, so that, that's what I, that's what I've seen. I was uh, I had my first floor band experience from my brother's oh, yeah. bachelor party, and that's what they were doing. People would walk up and say, yeah. "Hey, you know, here's." They would put money in a jar, and the singer was like, "Hey guys, you want to hear a song? Let us know. Write it on a piece of paper, put money in the jar, and we'll play it." Write it on a hundred dollar like, bill and send it on up here. We'll play whatever you want. And, 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 and as a look, and as a band, you're up there saying, "Look, we've got a." We're getting a set a set fee to play at sure. this show, and if we've got people saying, "Hey, I'll give you a hundred bucks to it, play this song," you know, it just now he priced Free Bird at five. Right? See, everybody <laughs> does. There's usually like Free Bird, Brown Eyed Girl, like uh, Wagon Wheel. They're always go a little bit higher for those because they're always requested. Tennessee whiskey is another one. It's just always requested, especially you know Gulf Coast region. Um, but the, it just depends on the show. If we're doing something smaller to a few hundred people and it's more intimate and things like that, then yeah, we can absolutely, if we know it, we'll try it. Um, you know, that's, that's not an issue, but if we're live in concert, you're getting this show, that's what you're getting, you know, and that's all there is to it. We're not doing happy birthdays to anybody, you know, like uh, that's another thing. We're, we're, we're in a, we're in a show. I mean, everybody's like, it's her birthday. Absolutely. It's his birthday. And like, once you do one, it. Nine other people will come forward and go, it's her birthday. It's it. I'm like, okay, look, I'm sorry. We did we birthday know, once. We know it's it. not your birthday. We know it's not your birthday. <laughs> that's just part of it. That's part of the that's part of the music scene, though. So from the business side of things, we were talking beforehand how COVID kind of gave a disruption to not only the shows y'all were playing, but at, you were doing this, you know, this was your your full-time gig. Yeah. And then you had to make a pivot and say, "Well, I've got to, I got to put food on the table, right?" Absolutely, bills and, keep coming in. And then now you're kind of starting to get back to that element from the yes. business standpoint. When was the time? I mean, I, with COVID as the exception, that you knew you were like, "I can do this for a living." So there was a time, yeah, absolutely. So I was driving a truck for Mockler Beverage, uh, believe it or not, delivering beer, and I was. <laughs> I was driving the truck and I was getting messages on at this time Facebook was a thing now it was just you know still in the infancy but I was I was starting to get messages from fairs and festivals going hey we want you to play this fair and I would have to deliver the beer check it all in all that kind of stuff and then message these people back before I got to another stop 
And so this is still all you, like no manager. This is still involved. all at this point. This is still all me. I'm 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 the guy, right? And I, I'm like going from stop to stop, and I'd have to literally just wait till I got to the next stop, call these people back, price the gig, get all the details, all that kind of stuff, until it just got to the point to where. I'm just like I can't do this anymore. You know, I can't physically be can't do both. Can't I can't have a foot in in both worlds. No. It just it just didn't work. So I talked to my wife and of course, you know, that's the decision maker obviously. And I'm oh, like, look, de- definitely. Definitely. <laughs> here's what I want to do, you know, but 100% she was on board because it was kind of the same thing. Like I can't live in both worlds. I you you got to pick one path or the other. And I just always done music. And again, it's always been a part of me and that's and always been happy doing that and she knows that and so she's always been my biggest supporter um she's like yeah you you should it's it's time just quit your job so i did i quit my job and um ever since then it's just been you know an uphill climb until 2020 <laughs> and then it was you just and everything it was fell a off. downhill <laughs> crash <laughs> i in in March 14th, I believe, is when we actually officially, or 16th, one of those, we actually officially shut Louisiana down. I know other parts of the country had shut down before that, but I think um, that was about the time that we shut down. And from March 16th, I believe it is, March 16th to about June of 2020, we canceled 76 dates. Um, and that's, that's a lot of that dates. is, we had a lot of dates booked. We had, and this is, mind you, this is right after, just two months after I was inducted into the Hall of Fame. So thing, I, I had gotten, you know, the induction hit, all of the, and I'd just done the Saints game, so I really had a lot of media attention on me at the time. And I, and I really, I was getting phone calls left and right, left and right, fairs, festivals, big, you know, shows, things that I had always wanted to do and strive for, and like, we're, we're, we're really starting to see some real results. 2020 hit and really just set everything into a downward spiral, for lack of a better term, for a few months. Um, and literally between that time, we canceled 76 dates that were just gone, just gone. Just the money, you know, there was no and, – and look – most of the time what we do is we we get deposits and we have contracts on, on all our shows and things like that. But I can't hold this fair accountable for wanting to can't I mean, you have to cancel. It's not even they want to. Yeah. They have to. It's mandated. You can't have more than 20 people outside at one time. So they have to cancel. So it's not like I can be like, no, you still have to pay me that money. Under contract, legally, I could have. I could have been like, no, I you're owed. I'm owed this money. Pay me now. But I would have never. I would have. I would have gotten and such a bad wants, reputation. Nobody, nobody wants to do a show with that. Absolutely. Who's going to want to do that? So I'm like, no, we'll work with you. We'll cancel it till next year. Well, 2021 rolls around, you know, and then kind of the same situation. You know, we're still waiting on COVID to be over with, and it's not over with yet. <laughs> so they canceled everything again. So for about a year and a half, we we just played this cat and mouse. You know, trying to play a gig outside of the realm of legal um you know there was definitely some things that that we did that probably weren't weren't matter of fact i made the news for allegedly, one of the, show, one of the show, yeah. <laughs> i made the i made the news for a show one time and one of my best friends got fired from her job 
because she was there. She was there. She was at a show. We had a show. It was a big show. Happened to be a lot of people there. It was a summertime deal. And uh, a picture was taken of her and I just hanging out on stage with a lot of people. And she got fired. She they there is she worked for I'm not gonna say who a, a company, and they brought her in and was like, look, you know this is you're not supposed to be around a lot of people. You were around a lot of people when we got and they let her go. And I'm just like, man, just the way things work out that way is just just terrible. It's just terrible. I hope you tell terrible her, hey, time. look, we're looking for a PR person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we now have an opening for a PR. We spot. still have a big running joke and and our circle of friends about that about that day. And and I won't mention the news group or anything like that because I'm not going to get into that. It, ha- and, it happened. You know, it, it happened. What it was. And we have moved on. And and it's all you know. It things are looking up. We'll put it that way. There things are really really looking up now. So. That's exciting. So hearing that 2022 business is coming back to yes. quote unquote usual. Yes. Or at least as close as normal as we can. <laughs> as we can as now, we you can. know, as, as, what the new normal is now, you know. Um, and, and look, I, I think that a lot of these things have been closed down for a, for a while and everyone is just kind of over it. Everyone's just ready to get back to somewhat normal life and, and just, get back out there and we've been kind of, you know, kind of tied down for a while. So I think everybody's ready. Um, so yeah, all the fairs and festivals and, and the bigger concerts and things that we want to do are now back in full force and full swing and everyone's, the, the phones are blowing up again. And that's, it's a good you know, feeling. It's a great feeling. It's a great feeling to be able to pay the light bill and <laughs> not have to worry about it. You know, it's like, oh, I got that money. It's not a problem, you know? Yeah, not have to go backwards yes. in, the, in the world, you know? Yes. So we're we're trying to get back together now and, and we want to put some new music out for the summertime and new videos and all that kind of stuff is all in the works now. So we have some shows to kind of back that up and some money that is, that is coming in. Um you know, that, that now we can put towards merchandise and things like that. And so that's kind of what we're focused on now. I love that, man. Yeah. So as we are starting to wind down the show, we, we have a typical four four set list of questions we sure. like to ask everybody. Sure. And the first one is, I mean, you've done so many different things. You've been in so in four different states <laughs> within your music career. <laughs> and so outside of not running through a stop sign in Nashville <laughs> – what are three lessons you've learned along the way in your music career? Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. So three lessons that I've learned is keep your circle small. Um, it's it's difficult to to know who to trust at certain stages in your life, and and certain people are poison for for lack of uh, you know a better term. And and there's you never really know once you reach a certain point you never really it's very difficult to know who your real friends are you know because I'm in a position to where I'm I, you know I'm able to get tickets to certain you know concert venues and things like that and people constantly hit me up for that that Everybody I have not talked to friend. yes I have a lot of friends out there that <laughs> like I don't I've never they're like oh we come to every show I'm like never seen you before in my entire life you know. But that's just so kind of keep your circle small. Um, just stay true to yourself and and understand that there's always going to be negativity in the world. And that's always going to be a thing, no matter 
no matter what kind of no matter what you if you're an actor if you're a you know an artist if you're a musician it's always going to be naysayers they're just will and there's just people like that in the world who are always going to try to bring you down and and go no that's not good you know i know someone better or just try to stay true to yourself and go this is my path and this is what i think is i think this song is great so screw you if you don't you know kind of thing i like it's just it Music is subjective. Not everyone is going to like every song that you put out. I get it. You know, I, I write some of these songs and I, I create these from nothing. So they become like my children and I watch them grow and I watch people sing along to them at, at these shows and and it's just a great feeling. And it's and there's always going to be negative people out there. Um, and third, I would just say to appreciate what you have and don't focus on what other people do have. Appreciate what you have created and what you have aspired to and just be thankful for what you do have. It's very easy to get caught up in, I wish I, I, I were at this level. I wish I had, uh, you know, this thing that this other artist has. Focus on what you're doing at the time and what you have accomplished and, and what you, you know, what you have and, and be grateful for that. I love that, man. Yeah. All three of them. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It's taken no. me a long time to learn, but it's it's some life lessons. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that that true to yourself, that's regardless of what you do. Yeah, you 100%. Know, just not yeah. being like anybody else, yeah. but finding who you are and just pursuing that. Absolutely. That will, you, you, you may bring a little bit of people away but in the long run if you're true and you're a good outstanding person Absolutely. they'll come back once they see hey this person stuck to their guns agreed. they were true to who they are we're in it for them agreed agreed i mean that's just the thing man i see that all the time you know there's there's so much negativity in the world there's so much negativity on social media and you know you could literally put like i think the sky is pretty today 19 people will come back and be like, the sky is terrible today. I can't I'm like, there's on. a cloud above my yes. head. Come on. I'm like, come on, man. Don't like, but that's the way the world works. It just, right. and it will always be that way. It just, there just will be those people in the world. So you just have to kind of figure out a way to deal, deal with that. That's just going to be something. If you're going to put yourself out there in the public eye and go, listen to me, you know, love me. This is, a, you know, you're going to have to deal with some negativity. It's just a part of it. Yeah. And it's, yeah. You do what you can to block them out because you know they're they're battling with something that you don't 100%. know about. So the next question: What is something you did as a kid you wished you could still do today? Um, I mean, do cartwheels count? You know, I mean, you can't still do a cartwheel. <laughs> I could probably do a cartwheel. It probably hurt a lot more than <laughs> than it used to when I was a kid. Well, look, when I was when I was a kid, I so I hit a growth spurt. Um, at a very early age, I was probably about 11 or 12 when I really shot up like a foot in school. So I, I was kind of always taller. I'm a little over six foot now, but I was always kind of taller than everyone in school at the time, especially for my age. So I really thought from an early age that I was going to be a basketball player. Like if music didn't work out, because that was always my first love. That was your fallback, basketball. That was my fallback. Like I'm just going to go to LSU and then I'll go on and then... Obviously, none of that came true at all. I didn't even finish high school. But I, I, I really focused on basketball for a little while, and I, I really enjoyed it. And I was I was good at it at a time. And so 
you know, if I could, if I could go back to my, my kid self and, and just go, look, you know, do you want to do music? Do you want to do basketball? I wish I could still play like I used to, like I used to, I was really, really good. And I really enjoyed playing basketball at, at a certain time. So if there was ever anything, you know, from when I was a kid, I wanted to play basketball. I love you that. Know, I enjoyed it. Really did. I had a great time doing it. So being, um, two time, Louisiana <laughs> Hall of Fame inductee. Yes. What is something you love about Louisiana? Man, I literally have a tattoo on my right arm of the state of Louisiana. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's not Nashville. It's no, no, it's, it's not. <laughs> Definitely not Nashville. Um, you know, I have a song called Broken Dreams and it and it's about Nashville. It's about my, and it's a 100, if you listen to the lyrics, it's absolutely about my trip and my experience in Nashville. And I lay it all out and I flipped off the Nashville sign on my way out of town is the tagline. And I literally did that, but it's, it's, you know, look, man, Louisiana is just a whole, it's a whole thing all its own. And I, I've always said, I know Texas has a lot of pride in their state and, but there's something about the state of Louisiana and Louisiana people and culture and just the music, the food, the, the, I, I, I can't explain it. If, if you're not from here, you won't understand it. And, but I was born and raised here and there's just something about our culture and our, um, just our people that, that is just different. And it sets us apart from every other state in the country. And I just think it's the greatest place ever. And, um, and I, and I, again, and again, I have a song called Louisiana is my home because of that. You know, I, it's just a song that I wrote about loving and living in this state. And I love everything about it. I really do. I just, I really, really am proud to be from Louisiana. I love that, man. Yeah. So for the final question, what can I do to help you? Oh, how much money do you have on you? You know, I mean, on I me? <laughs> Uh, I think I got a ten spot. <laughs> ten spot. <laughs> That's about all I got. <laughs> Man, at this point, honestly, it's like a two gallons of gas. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. You can get two gallons of gas now. You know, uh, you know. At this point, so what we're doing is we're getting back into our shows and back into our, you know, just getting back out there phase because, I don't, I, you know, I don't want to say COVID is over because it's not and it's still out there, but it's on the decline. So right now, just if you could tell people to come out and see us. That would be a big help, you know, look, understanding. We got you, we got you a camera. Let yeah, know, look, we want what everyone. What are some upcoming yes. shows? When can they see you? <sighs> this very Saturday, actually. So we're live, everything. So this very Saturday. We so have, it's March 15th now. March 15th. So March 20. So March 19th. 19th. March 19th okay. will be Saturday. We will do two shows. Um, the first one being from 3.30 to 6.30, we'll be at the Chalmette Crawfish Festival. That's a big one, and that's a lot of fun. Um and then we'll leave from there and do Bulls, Bands, and Barrels at Lamar Dixon, and that's a rodeo, and we're playing with Colt Ford. Um, that'll be a nice big concert. They've sold close to 5,000 tickets for that so far. That's exciting. So, yeah, so that'll be Saturday, and that's just one day. So it's a, it's a long day. It'll be a long, fun day, but it will be a great time. So come see us. Buy some merchandise. Check out, you know, download our songs anywhere you can – Buy our songs, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, any of that. We have songs. We have videos. So just any kind of support you can give, we'd really appreciate it, and we'd love it. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll we'll be sure to link up their their website and their Spotify and everything in the show notes of this podcast. So wherever you're listening to the show or you're watching the show, come back, check, and they'll have links to everything to go check out the Chase Tyler band and make sure you can get and support whatever you need. And also find out the shows, the lineups, and where they're going to be. So thank you so much, Chase, for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Man, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. it was this awesome. was this was fun. It I, was there, fun. Was, there was, there was a, a lot of back history there I was able to I learn. I was go exciting, from being man. expelled from school and arrested, you know, to a two-time inductee into the Louisiana <laughs> Music Hall of Fame. A lot of hard work and a lot of heartbreak, but uh, I made it. You know, I'm, I, I enjoy what I do, and I really love it. Well, and I think it goes to show, too, right, that it takes time. Oh, it to takes make time. something great. Yes, it's not going to happen overnight. Rome was not built in a day. And look, man, I'm not done. Like we, we, we still have several things that we want to do and accomplish as a band, and I want to accomplish as an artist. And just climbing the ladder, and you know, we've been held back for you know close to two years. And I think that that's you know we're really starting to get back to it, and we have a lot of cool stuff coming up. So be on the lookout. I love that. So thank yeah. you all, everybody, for listening or watching whatever you're doing to consume this show. I appreciate it. I know the guests do. We are always thankful to every guest that comes on the show. Be sure to check out the Chase Tyler Band, our guest this week. And if you're loving the show, we'd be more than happy. We'd be more than grateful if you took the time to share us, leave us a review wherever you listen to the show. And while you're there, do the same thing for Chase Tyler Band. We're on Spotify. They're on Spotify. Check them out. Subscribe, comment, whatever it is you want to do to show support. They love it, and we will as well. And thank you all so very much for listening to this episode of the Patty G Show. We are excited with where the show's going, and there's going to be a lot more coming your way. And a big thanks to all of our lovely sponsors making this show possible, and you're going to hear a little bit more about them right now. Thank you all so very much for listening to this episode of the Patty G Show brought to you by Government Taco. They're located on the corner of Government Street and Jefferson Highway. Jay is always slinging up a new taco of the month, so if you're a frequenter to Government Taco, let us know in the comments what you thought about this month's taco of the month. If you're not a frequenter, maybe trying out this month's taco might just convert you. Big thanks over to them at Government Taco for making the Patty G Show possible. Thank you so very much to our sponsor, Falaya Real Estate. They are the all-in-one real estate platform for you, whether you're buying or selling. They've got options starting out at $399 to sell your home. The average lister saves anywhere from $7,800 on their closing of their home. It's really incredible what they're doing with it. Barrett is amazing at Falaya. Jacob, they're going to help you through the entire process from start to finish and really treat you like family. At Horizon Financial Group, we enjoy helping others achieve greater confidence, clarity, and direction in their lives. We realize everyone's path to financial success is unique. Sometimes you just need a friendly guide along the way. Whether it's customized financial planning, individual wealth management, or servicing your company's retirement plan, we've got the team with the experience to help you reach your goals. Horizon Financial Group, helping you provide, protect, and prosper for those counting on you. Visit us at horizonfg.com. Cetera Advisors, LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. Cetera is a separate entity. Thank you so very much to Mallard Bay Outdoors, the Airbnb for the outdoor sportsmen. If you're looking to book a hunt or a fishing trip, this is the platform to use. They were a past guest of the Patty G Show. We got to learn all about what they're doing from the ground up. They are really revolutionizing the booking process for hunts and fish 
all across the country. For your next hunting or fishing experience, or maybe your corporate retreat, you're looking for something to do for your employees, book a hunt or a fishing trip with Mallard Bay Outdoors, and they will take care of you every step of the way from organizing it with the guides and the captains to making sure you can take care of them at the end of the trip. Mallard Bay Outdoors, a proud sponsor of the Patty G Show. Thank you to Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge for making this show possible. Nick Pentis is a past guest. We love having him on. Listening to him talk about the culture they have over at Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge is really an incredible thing to hear. How they treat not only their employees, but every customer that walks through the door. You are more than just a number to them. They're going to give you that white glove concierge service Every step of the way, they're going to make you feel like family and take what can be a stressful time in people's life, shopping for a car. They're going to make it so enjoyable and so pleasurable. You're going to want to go back there time and time again for every new vehicle. Thank you so very much for Mercedes-Benz of making this show possible.